Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, people have accused me of having a strange sense of humor. But I think God has a strange sense of humor, don't you? You know, I'm going to, y'all are so kind. Um, just even, uh, it's funny how a testimony will bring you back to the moment. Like when someone shares a testimony, it brings you right back there. And just Lauren talking about reading that book and reading two or three pages and stopping and dreaming. And uh, you guys are actually living in part of that dream right now. But God has a sense of humor, because I'm, I'm gonna, t- in a day when y'all honored me, I'm gonna talk about a low point in my life and, uh, and being in a slump spiritually. So I, I think that's kind of humorous. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> the highs and lows, right? But we do, uh, we are really, wanting to create a culture of vulnerability and being real and not requiring your pastor to be perfect. Actually, let's talk about, let's talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and then we can really celebrate the great and the overcoming, and it makes everything more real, does it not? So uh, it's really nice when the worship coincides with your message. And uh, the last song was certainly doing that. And so I just want to remind you of some of the things we were just singing. And we're going to just, I'm just going to take you back to where we were in worship and we'll just go on from there, okay? But we were singing about laying it all down and putting our lives in the wine press. Lord, make me an offering. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. And uh, don't you love Jen? She just has a way of bringing it. The reality, uh, she said, the wine press is any area of your life where you're agitated. And the altar is your circumstances. And he talked about being war horses and turning our scars into stories of grandeur. And the goal is not the destination, but him. And some of us, she sees weary of the battle and counting the costs. And so um, some of this will be a a personal testimony. Some of this will be an exhortation. Some of this will be a teaching. And some of you are going to really have an impactful Sunday today. And so I think um, part of my story would be a collective that all of us have had an interesting few years, don't you think? I was reading the impact of COVID on the church and some, some age groups, some demographics, a third of the church has not come back. This was all over the country. Boy, that's a devastating Piece. And we've all felt some of that. It's, it's uh, in our world where we want to believe in the supernatural, and we've seen hundreds, if not thousands, of healing 
pandemics are hard on a supernatural culture. And uh, we saw, and we were praying daily, protection, 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 and, and really uh, overall, incredible, incredible. But we just talked about uh, any of, area of your life where you're agitated. It's been easy to get agitated in our political realm. Where our country's going, COVID, masks, vaccines. I had two of my sons were told, work for companies I admire, told, you get a vaccine or you're fired. Like we're living in a really strange time. And I think uh, for me, I... Um, took a few months off, and I just began to be almost like David and get really raw. And my rawness became whining, and I'm like, Lord, was, this was quite a cost. Emotionally, physically, reputation, time, money. And I, um, I began to, I think I grew an offense toward the goodness of God. And I'm not really happy saying this on the day I'm supposed to be honored and be the strong man. <laughs> and I, th I do think it's kind of funny. <laughs> and I do think God's going to use it. And at some point of agitation, at some point of frustration, at some point of offense, some point of ungratefulness, and some point of self-pity, and some point of at a, on a low day, I remember Saturday mornings, I, I had, over the years, I've had a special time with the Lord where I'd get up early and I'd have a few hours and it's just me and him. And I remember not wanting to go there. That was a bad day. Or wanting to go study my Bible and something inside me didn't want to. Or something inside me not wanting to be around God's people Boy, I'm not in a good place. We'd hear these sayings around here that are interesting. Francis Frangiopan said this one. We say it a lot. It often gets quoted by Bill Johnson. If you Google this saying, it comes up as Bill Johnson. He didn't say it. He doesn't claim it. It's just like anything that wise had to have been him, right? It's not in the Bible. It must have been Bill. <laughs> but it's any area of our life that's not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. And I've kind of expanded it like any area of my walk with him, any area of my faith walk, that's not glistening with hope, it's not effervescent, it's not attractive, it's not beautiful, is under the influence of a lie or sin. And it feels like kind of a high bar, like there's a lot of stuff in this world. There's an enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. 
The world some days feels like it's going to hell in a handbasket. Churches aren't easy to run. The weight of the world sometimes feels on you. And Lord, you're, you're having a man of God raise this standard like any area of my life. Because I think 95% of us would say there's some area of my life that's not glistening with hope. Amen? So this seems like a high bar. And so, and when you're in kind of a slump or in a bad place, it feels like a really high bar if not impossible. There's just no way in a group this size, a group watching online, that we haven't been affected by the last few years. It, we're all affected. The Big C Church, I think, is in some form of P, PST, or what's that? That one, yes. You know, when it comes back to you, it doesn't help because it's all mangled. <laughs> There's some P, T's, S, and D's floating around, but they're not, a, they're not coming at me the same, so you're not helpful at all. <laughs> but the church is in that, PTSD. So how do you get out of it? I could spend more time here, but I want to keep moving. Remember the Will Smith movie? What was it? Huh? Pursuit of, pursuit of happiness. You know, I love Will Smith, but um, that movie was all pursuit and no happiness. It had like three minutes of happiness at the end. I'm like, I paid for that? So this sermon is not going to be the pursuit of happiness. Thank God. That's right, Tim. So I want to just talk about how do you get out of a slump? If every area of your life is not glistening with hope, I want to give you some keys to bring it back. Amen? All right. I've never gotten ovation in the middle before we get started. That's good. Okay, we're ready then. We're ready. When you're in a slump, you want to go back to the purity of the gospel. You want to go back to Jesus. As a church, in the midst of these last two-year waves, we've, what's one thing we've done as a staff, we said, we're just going to preach the gospel. If you can lead people to Jesus, if we can reconnect with him. So if you would, open your Bible to Isaiah 53. I'm going to read some of it to you in the NESB, the 2020 version. NESB is a great version of the Bible, and they've kind of upgraded it to 2020, so that's kind of cool. Some of the language is a little more up-to-date. 
Isaiah 53 is the suffering servant. And in verse 2, he had no stately form or majesty that we could look at him, not an, nor an appearance that we would take pleasure in him. I actually think that's one of the, maybe the only place in the Bible where we're starting to talk about what did Jesus look like. Like, it's saying he wasn't so attractive that you were drawn to how great looking he was. So we really don't know what he looks like. We know he was Middle Eastern, Jewish. As a carpenter, he was probably sun-weathered. Isaiah 53 says he wasn't Tom Brady model. I think our logic would tell us he probably wasn't lily white skin with blue eyes and wavy brown hair like you see. Our logic might tell us he probably didn't look African with a Jimi Hendrix afro. But somewhere in between, amen? And I'm all right with that. Jesus is just all right with me. So, so he had no stately form or majesty that we would look at him nor an appearance that would take pleasure in him. He was despised and abandoned of men, a man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains that he carried, yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted, struck down by God and humiliated. People then were thinking, God is, God is punishing him. But he was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned away. And so, you know, I read these verses, and uh, one thing that's kind of cool about this is that Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ. And there's three or four prophecies that there's almost no way you could ever predict that. You could never predict the Savior of the world would be pierced in his side that he would take lashes on his back almost to the point of death. Later on, it talks about that his, it would be the grave of a rich man. I mean, what are the odds? Do you know anyone who's ever been pierced in their death, lashed to back, and a rich man bought their grave? Just those three. There are a hundred prophecies about Jesus. There are three right there. Do you know anyone that fulfills those three? I wonder why we don't come to Jesus just on the basis of a hundred prophecies being fulfilled. But we don't come because of our head. We come because he touches our heart. And I can remember my journey back home. 
started in the tent a month or two ago, a few months ago, and I remember my stuff, my junk, my complaints, my whining. It was like I had it in my hand. And I was up here, front of the stage, but over where the tent was, and I can remember laying it at the feet of the cross, going back to our roots in Jesus, going back to the sacrifice of the cross, going back that God himself, you know, Jesus is deity, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, God the Father is God, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, that, he, that God really got up on that cross and God took upon the sins of man. He took upon mine and yours. And they were laid upon him so that shame would be taken away and death would be taken away and sin would be taken away. And I just got in the worship, I got a revelation again of the simplicity of the gospel. And my stuff felt pretty small and pretty sophomoric and pretty insignificant in relationship to God himself saying, I'll take on the sins of mankind with that kind of love. We come back to him in the simplicity of the gospel. So how do you change? I, I, uh, it says, go, this philosopher ghost said, know yourself. Like, I know myself. I'm more of a sprinter than a marathoner. We have marathoners in our family, and people run these 100-mile races. Like, my best distance is 40 yards. <laughs> I get worse after that. <laughs> these people that run 100 miles, like, I have no grid for you. Know yourself. And so I'm a sprinter in life. And I, in business, I have ups and downs. Spiritually, I've had ups and downs. Know yourself. I've done talks in business about getting out of a slump. We give rewards in our business like most improved. You don't want to win the most improved award more than twice. It's just not, you know, there's some dips in between. So how do you get out of a slump? First, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have to get sick of that. You have to say, I am not okay with that anymore. I am better than that. That is below me. It's a re-examining. It's a recall. And you have to repent. Like, there has to be a time when you say, acknowledge, like, this isn't okay. I am sorry. I want to change the way I think. One of the great things about being a pastor is you get to repent in front of hundreds of people <laughs> and humiliate yourself in front of hundreds. It's really another joy of the ministry.
If you want to find your way back, you want to re-listen. You want to go to places where you hear God's voice. In many, it's, it amazes me that still in Christianity, there's a debate. You can go to some churches and you say you hear God's voice and they look at you funny. That's really sad. It says, my people hear his voice. I've never heard his voice audibly. Let's, be, let's just super be clear. His voice can come through you to me. His voice can come reading the Bible. His voice can come through nature. It can come through divine circumstances. It can come through beauty. It can come in this still, small voice touching your spirit. It comes many ways. I've heard, I've heard an audible voice that was inside my head so loud that I looked around, but only a few times. It's usually so subtle, and it's tied with a fishing wire of faith. Is that you, Lord? And as we mature in our faith, we're still discerning the voice. Is that you? Is that my thought? Is that you? But as we grow in him, there are times when we like, yeah, that's you. And usually it's not easy. It's usually the harder route, or it's often something you don't want to do. Or sometimes it's just a word of encouragement and beauty and love. But isn't it wonderful that his voice to us when we're coming back is kind and gentle? It's never harsh. He comes to you and speaks to you in the way that you need to hear it. He speaks to me in the way I need to hear it. In the midst of my whining to God, there'd be conversations like, well, were you obedient? Yes, Lord. Well, did I tell you how it was going to look? No. Well, were you obedient? Yes. Isn't that all that matters? Yes, Lord. It's not very harsh. It can be convicting, but it's not very harsh. Because he is pulling us, drawing us, trying to conform us into the image of his son. And he is wooing the sons and daughters he loves. So it's important that we know ourselves. I know I hear his voice most often in the 45, 50 minutes we had in worship. I hear him more clearly then than any other hour of the week. A few weeks ago, and sometimes it can just be a line of a voice, a line of a lyric that there's nothing unusual about it. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate it and say, that one's for you. Anybody? A few weeks ago, it was, I make all things new. 
Remember singing that a few weeks ago? I make all things new. And the Holy Spirit says, do you believe that? The big C church, we all need to be right. He makes all things new. Some of you have some promises that have been need to get dusted off. Some of you have grown weary. Some of us have relationship hangovers. Some of us have a thousand paper cuts of life. Some of us have relationships or lost opportunities. Our businesses that have failed in the Holy Spirit in the place where you hear him, he says, I make all things new. I believe all things new is in Revelation 21. We're like the second chapter from the end of the Bible. And he said, I make all things new. As I was preparing, I felt like many people were going to bring to the altar like, I've given up hope that that could be made new. The restorer of all things, the builder of the walls. He crawled on my cross to say, I make all things new for you. Don't give up hope. I make all things new. And in the midst of hearing him in worship, I make all things new. A little spark of hope gets stored again. Sometimes hearing his voice, you responding to his voice, that's where we come, this run and obey thing. We hear his voice, we run and obey. the most dynamic parts of my most alive, the most vibrant, the most courageous, the, the most wonderful parts of my faith have been where I've heard his voice, I've responded, and he responded to my response. And I knew, I knew he did. He made it very clear. And there's something inside of you, you want to, Come running home like the prodigal. You want to explode out of your slump? Hear his voice. Run and obey and let him respond to your response. I won't go into testimonies, but I've got testimonies in business. You've all heard the story where I had a head on my desk in a mid-career crisis. Somebody's talking to their neighbor like, this guy has a lot of issues. <laughs> lots, of, lots of problems here. So, and I, I, I heard God's voice. I ran in a bay, and his response to my response in that mid-career work thing was like an atom bomb that went off. And our business exploded 400% the next week for 18 months. Because, yes, because when, I, when you hear his voice and you know he heard, like, you can do anything. 
When the God of the universe, you know he heard your prayer, there's nothing like that. Another place that you need to go and I need to go is I need to re-engage with the body. I need to stay in other believers. And when you're struggling, you want to leave. I could feel myself wanting to leave and disengage with other believers. In nature, we see it this way, the herd of antelope, the one that gets disconnected from the crowd is the one the lion gets, right? The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy and pick off the weak ones. And one of the things that we need to do to get out of a slump is when you're feeling disconnected, you go with the opposite spirit, right? You have to connect (laughs) even when it's hard. Because in the connecting, something God can use, God uses your brothers and sisters in Christ, things they say, the Holy Spirit say, that's it. My friend John Donaldson, uh, for the last year or so, he would just, once in a while, just remind me, this is who you are, Steve. This is what it's like when you're not there. This is what it's like when you're there. You need brothers and sisters reminding you who you are. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Like, it's not like, it's not like a suggestion. Another brother, uh, and we'll cue up this video here in a second. Um, There's a testimony in this video I want you to hear. But in this testimony, the Lord used him to speak to me. We have to stay connected to the body because you never know what conversation the Lord's going to use. He uses imperfect people. So Joe and Becky Burgess, they're like heroes in our environment. We love them. They're part of the 300. They're part of the 1,000. They're going to change their city. They have eight children. Their children are the best-behaved children I've ever seen in my life. Like they tell eight to sit down, and they do. (laughs) Who said we don't live in a land of miracles? So let's cue that up, please. Play that one. Hey, Bethel Atlanta. Good morning. Uh, Steve asked me to jump on here and share a testimony with you. And so, um, lay some context. This testimony was about seven years ago. It was right at the end of our time in Atlanta. And God was doing some really cool things um, in our life and relationships. Becky was halfway through first year of school of ministry, and just amazing things were happening. Um, except for one really frustrating thing, and that was finances. And um, we had moved to Atlanta in a really strong place financially, 
and everything had been working out in Atlanta except for that area. So at the time to kind of set up, we were um, working with John Donaldson, fantastic, and uh, making about 50000 a year, um, but we had a little over $26,000 in credit card debt and just could not get on top of it. We'd been able to make all our payments and kind of keep things current, but we just could not get over that mountain. And so um, in kind of desperation and process, we had the opportunity to do Financial Peace University. And so we gathered up, um, I think there was about five of our good friends, couples, and uh, we hosted our house and Scott Thomas led it. And a couple weeks into the course, if you've ever been through it, it's time to build a budget. And so for us, we built our two week budget and it was amazing. And one thing Scott Thomas challenged me with, he said, hey, you know, build a budget for a full year. And so that sounded really difficult, but it's something that we said we'd do. So it, uh, it took a few days to put it all together and make sure everything, every dollar had a home. And, you know, so every pair of socks the kids would need, every, even down to the $10 a week that I had to put in my wallet so I didn't feel poor, we put in that budget. And when it all got said and done, it found out that we needed to make about $100,000 a year. And at the time, we were only making 50. And so some of that was kind of frustrating and challenging, like, wow, I'm only making half what I needed. And then all of a sudden, it just hit us um, that we were living right in the middle of a miracle. And we had no idea that my kind of being grumpy and complaining about the season I was in and the fact that I didn't feel like God was blessing this side of our life, it was just so rocked with this realization that we were living, God was multiplying every dollar we made by two. And we had no idea. And right around the same time, um, there was a message came out of Bethel um, about gratitude. And um, we were challenged to write down a thousand things we were thankful for. And so Becky um, really kind of headed it up in the house and we rolled out a bunch of like uh, butcher paper across the table and we pulled all the kids in and we said, here guys, we're gonna do this. We're gonna write on this butcher paper until we get as close as we can to a thousand things on this paper we're thankful for. And that's something that we picked up and we've continued on ever since then. Um, and so at every year around November, we roll out the paper on the table and we gather around and we just talk about how grateful we are for the miracles we've seen and where we're at and the amazing thing that God's doing. And it's just been absolutely transformational for our family and has become one of our core values is gratitude. And so where has that brought us? Um, so we're now seven years later. Um, things are fantastically going well. Um, as of 2021, our income was exactly seven times what it was that first year. And this year, our income will be double what it was last year. And God has just absolutely blessed us beyond belief. And we feel like one of the absolute keys to that was realizing the miracle we we're living in and taking a posture of gratitude. And it's been absolutely transformational for us. And so thank you, Bethel, for being amazing, pouring into us. And I just want to release a blessing and that testimony on everybody. If you're sitting in a position where you're not sure if God's moving or not, um, I just ask he would just give you eyes to be able to see the miracle that you're living in and gratitude would come over you and be able to step back and change the position of your heart. And just, I cannot wait to see how God incredibly blesses you and freedom come over you. So love you guys. Have a fantastic day. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. 
So a couple of weeks ago, Joe shared that testimony with me, and he, as he said, in my grumbling, I realized I was living in a miracle, that God was multiplying the money. It was impossible for us to pay the bills for a family of 10 on what I was making. And I felt the Holy Spirit just said, Steve, you're kind of living in a miracle too. And grumbling a little bit. You see, in the body, with our friends, with your people, the Holy Spirit will use them. We need each other. He'll take our scars as we were talking about at the end of worship, and the worship team could come up, or Vanessa or Mike, remember. We're going to sing that last song again. But through gratitude, I came home a few days ago, and all the grandkids had drawn chalk art all over my driveway. It was a miracle because it was beautiful. It was a miracle because my grandkids live near me. It, it's recognizing the miracle. And he's taking our scars and turning them into beauty for ashes. He's looking. Uh, our country needs, our church needs, our world needs us to be on our A game, to be our best. You think about the Josephs and you think about the Moseses. You think about the Apostle Paul, all imperfect people. You think about the Ruths who brought courage, who, who stood back up one more time. Imperfect people that God used. He would take the one, he would take the three, he would take the 12. He doesn't need a lot. I got to a fork in the road and I said, you know, I can, if I keep going this way, I'm gonna be a grumpy old man. The other fork said, I go that, that one long enough, I might become a gracious, wise saint. The Lord will just keep wooing you back. We're going to inherit him. In the beginning of Eden, they walked with him in the garden, and they talked with him, and everything was perfect. Go to the other end of the book, Revelation 21, Revelation 22. Yeah, there's streets of gold and there's sea of crystal and there are pearly gates. But what are we going to inherit? It said, he's with them. He's abiding with his people. He's talking with his people. Forget the streets of gold. I want him. We get to inherit him. He's raised a high bar, but he paid a high price. And he's worthy of what he asked for. 
He paid a price on that cross and he stood up, crawled on that cross and took the sins of men. And he's paid a price that every area of our lives would glisten with hope and be alive. And our faith, we'd be warriors of faith. We'd be sons of the day. We'd be daughters of light. We'd be the forgiven ones, the forgiving ones, the worshiping ones, the unoffended ones, the life-giving ones. That's our call on our life. He'll turn our scars into wonderful memories as we bring them to the altar. He'll take our agitations as we bring our agitations to the altar, they'll be the wine press that presses a beautiful wine. The wine is in the cluster. You're the cluster. So in response to this message, if you've been agitated, if you've been less than your best, if there's anything in this message that speaks to you, your response, I pray would be to just come up to the altar and sing this last song and make that sacrifice as you worship your response to the message. Lord, make me a sacrifice. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.